0: going on guys happy new year my take radio episode 263 for wednesday january 7th 2015 i'm your host rich and our call in number is 347-324-3541 again that call in number 347-324-3541 as always my take radio is powered by rage and it is rated m for mature For those of you tuning in for the first time, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. As I said before, it is rated M for mature, listener and viewer discretion is advised. All right, so welcome back. Happy New Year to you guys, all my fellow listeners, readers, and extended staff members who are joining the official My Take Radio RageWorks team in 2015 Uh, Very excited to be back on air. It's um, it feels a little weird, (laughs) obviously because I haven't been on camera. I I feel it feels like I haven't been on camera in about three weeks, Uh, maybe a little longer than that. I mean, we only took two weeks off, but it just feels so much longer, especially because I haven't even done anything behind the scenes on camera or worked on anything. I just took the uh, the two weeks to recharge. I got some funny holiday stories for you guys as part of this week's monologue, which I will get into, and a couple of other things as well. Slick is telling me that there is no video feed. I just want to check that. Uh, Let's check it out. Hmm. Let me send a uh, communique real quick to our our friends over at GFQ and uh, see what's going on with the video. Slick tells me that the audio is good, so I'm hyped for that. Uh, let's see. Let me just send this out real quick, guys. I apologize. All right. So as I was saying, uh, holidays were rather interesting. I'm not a big holiday person uh, just because obviously it's it's one of those things where you kind of feel that the holidays are for, for kids and i've kind of felt that way for for quite some time and as i've gotten older it's gotten progressively worse i kind of feel that it's it's one of those things where it's hit or miss some years i feel more so in the holiday spirit than others but um this year was interesting obviously uh just because you know now that i'm married and we're kind of trying to create our own christmas traditions we do a lot of we're trying to do a lot of our own stuff but in any case uh, when got some cool gifts for, for my family, uh, my family got me some cool stuff, uh, an assassin's creed hoodie, some fun codes, which you'll probably see some behind me. And, um, you know, the, the usual stuff in any case, uh, my oldest sister who I've, who I've mentioned before, you know, she, she has autism. So she's, um, she's into the holidays. She loves Christmas, but she's, she's into Christmas for the wrong reasons. Part of that is just, you know, people, people not conveying what Christmas is really about. And I've always felt that the holidays themselves are about uh, spending time with those closest to you, given that, you know, you never know what can happen at any time. That's, that's the bigger thing. It's more for that for me than it about, than about what I'm getting or what I'm giving anyone. And that's one of those things that's kind of been uh, the, the main focus that I try and instill in my, you know, in my, my family and, in my sisters and one day in my children. And I kind of live by that. But in any case, uh, my sister, you know, given her, her autism, she has a a focus for the last, I'd like to say 10 years on Aladdin loves Aladdin, draws Aladdin all the time, watches the movies all the time. So for some reason, she decides to ask for, um, she decides to ask for a video, a DVD version of Aladdin. Really weird. No, No biggie. Because I have, like, 14 copies of the movie on VHS, but she asked for it on DVD, so, you know, what am I going to do? I'm not I'm not going to say no. And um, what I ended up doing was I tried to find it in all the usual places, and I didn't. And what I ended up doing was, you know, just looking on eBay, and for some reason everybody was charging an arm and a leg for it. So I didn't get it for her for Christmas, but needless to say, the a, a, a plan is in motion to get her... To get a couple of copies of aladdin on dvd anyway what we ended up doing was we got her uh super smash brothers for the wii u um sonic uh sonic racing transform for the wii u and ducktales uh, one of the reasons why i picked up ducktales on the wii u is because she used to play it a lot on the nes when we were younger so um you know we played a lot of it and i figured oh she's gonna love this on the wii u so we'll pick it up so christmas morning i go down i hand out all the gifts uh, my sister opens up all her gifts. She's excited about Smash Brothers. She's excited about uh, Sonic. Then she sees um, DuckTales, and she looks at it, and I'm like, hey, it's DuckTales. You know the game, blah, blah, blah. And she just says, I don't want it. Now, the thing with my sister is that when she goes through that phase, you know, the I don't want it phase, it's just because you got to explain it to her, and she ends up taking she ends up taking what she gets. So um, what ter- what ends up happening was she's- she said it a few times, and my grandmother's like, ah, you know. Why don't you just go and exchange the game? So I look at her and I'm like, Yo, are you fucking kidding me? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, one thing leads to another. And um, in the middle of the day, uh, my grandmother goes out with my sister at around four o'clock getting ready to have Christmas dinner. I get a, f- a phone call and it, it's my grandmother like, hey, uh, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm kind of in the bathroom and getting ready to go to the store. She goes, well, I need you to come and meet me not too far from your house. Because I got into a car accident. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, it is Christmas Day in New York City. Nobody wants to do shit. So she goes, she gets into an accident with this lady, and um, pretty much my grandmother took the turn, the lady was speeding, you know, hit the side of her car, not by much, because my grandmother, even though she's 72 years old, her driving is still pretty good, but um, needless to say, the lady fucked up her car pretty much. And we sat there. So I get there. And I got to say it's about 4.30. The cops didn't show up till about 6 o'clock. Now, if you were in New York City on Christmas Day, you know it was cold as fuck. So we're sitting out there waiting for the police to show up. The cop shows up. Um, it, it takes all of 10 minutes to fill out the paperwork. And I take her home. And pretty much, you know, by the time we got home, six thirty, seven o'clock, my mood, which was already soured to begin with, was extra sour, but I was grateful, you know, that the accident wasn't, uh, life threatening to anybody involved. And, you know, I take, I take the good with the bad in that equation, but I will say that aside from that, the holidays themselves were relatively well. Uh, they went relatively well. I'm hoping you guys got a lot of cool shit. I know a lot of you guys off air and I saw some of the cool stuff you guys got, and I know you guys enjoyed every minute of it. Um, as for me, just I enjoyed the uh, the shortened work week and taking a break from Rageworks and my Take Radio uh, shenanigans for those two weeks. But anyway, with that said, I figured I'd share that, that little holiday tale of, of woe for you guys because you guys always enjoy the stories. Um, I will say this, that in resuming my, my work schedule, which I started uh, this past weekend ever so slowly... Uh, we're we're doing a lot of things for RageWorks and My Take Radio in 2015, and we're making a lot of adjustments. Uh, Lucha Lee, who is in the chat, many of you may know him, uh, usually writes on the handle under the handle of Mortis in the chat room, is officially joining the RageWorks team in 2015. He's going to be sharing his thoughts on Lucha Underground and some of the other stuff across the site as well. So be on the lookout for his content. I believe he's going to have something for us tomorrow for Lucha Underground. Slick is jumping back into the mix with uh, some Archer stuff, and I'm working on a couple of reviews for you guys as well. So, what else is going on in 2015? So, let me break it down for you before we get into some of the other subjects of this week's episode. Uh, number one, MyTakeRadio.com is being rolled into RageWorks.net. Uh, number one, obviously, managing two sites is a huge, tiresome pain in the ass, and honestly, you know, all the shows are being put on both sites anyway. So you'll still be able to listen to archived episodes of the show on Rageworks.net. Now, if you're curious about what happens to mtrlive.com, that will remain in full effect. There there will be no breakdown of service for that URL. On the contrary, it will just forward to a live show page that we have on Rageworks.net currently. So you'll still be able to enjoy the show's That way. Now, with regards to archive shows, they're still going to be distributed on Mixler, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and any of the other podcast providers. So that is not changing. Uh, With regards to making the official My Take Radio app free in 2015, um, it's actually becoming a lot easier to do after talking to some of our partners that help put the app together. That is one of the goals that we hope to have accomplished by the middle of the year. So, With that said, MyTakeRadio.com is being rolled into RageWorks.net. Everything pretty much otherwise will continue as usual. All social media accounts for MyTakeRadio will remain, of course, because that's going to share all the show updates and everything else. Um, With regards to Facebook, which has become just a huge troublesome pain in the ass, we're trying to do a lot of dual posting for MyTakeRadio and RageWorks on Facebook. So you're going to see some duplication if you follow both pages. But... I cannot stress enough. If you are a fan of the my take radio page, please take a moment and become a fan of the RageWorks page because we're trying to share the bulk of our content there. That's not related to the show. So please keep that in mind. If you intend or if you follow any of our updates on Facebook, we're still doing stuff on Google plus and Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, but we're trying to just scale a lot of that back and focus on what really drives the engagement with you guys. I mean, I did entertain, and I've talked about this before, um, trying, trying the forums once again, and during the two-week break, I really thought about it, especially because Facebook is changing how I'm able to provide updates for you guys. So, um, even though I was a little adamant about doing it in 2014, I may revisit it once again in 2015, especially now that we have such, a, such an active community and a really... A really solid staff that can go in there and contribute and bring people in and keep the the forums jumping. I think it's something that we may revisit once I figure out um, how much of the traffic can carry over from Facebook. I mean, like I've always said, a lot of you guys spend so much time on Facebook and on Twitter that it's very, very hard to get you guys to disconnect. But we are entertaining trying our hand at a forum once again in 2015. If we do if we do pull the trigger on it, we will give it a shot, probably in the middle of the year. As for mytakeradio.com, as I said, it is being rolled over, but we should not have that finalized till at least the end of January, just because there's a lot of migration of a lot of content that we're moving over. Um, there's over there's got to be at least three thousand posts on that on mytakeradio.com, and a lot of that has to be migrated over, recategorized and just you know made to look in line with everything that's on rageworks.net so it's a it's a bit of a process and we're trying to to go through it piece by piece slick has been helping me out um with that as well he's going to go through some of his stuff and hopefully i can get some of the other guys to go through their stuff as well just to to make it move a lot faster uh with regards to our youtube channels uh the mytake radio youtube channel will be We'll continue to get episodes, video episodes, and you can subscribe for that. Um, everything related to Rageworks, including unboxings, uh, game trailers, movie trailers, all of the usual stuff will be strictly on the Rageworks channel. Like I said, that's one of the few things that we're trying to keep consistent. Uh, we did launch a brand new Twitch Rageworks channel, and I did actually delete the My Take Radio Twitch channel just because obviously we're trying to keep everything in synergy in 2015. So that's where we're at. Um, keep all your browser links that you currently have for us active because they all will continue to work. Everything will just be forwarding to RageWorks.net by the end of January. All right, so let's get into tonight's show. I've rambled on enough. What's on deck? Of course, we're going to talk about Jones and Cormier. We're going to talk about that entire card plus the fallout. Including the um, drug, the you know the drug issue with John Jones. It's a it's a big big discussion. A lot of people have been reaching out to me off air, uh, sharing their opinions. Um, our very own Ben was very bummed that he couldn't join me to discuss it, but I know that you guys in the chat will definitely keep it moving with regards to that. And of course, we're gonna get into the first Raw of 2015, which I'm I'm sorry to say was complete shit. Um, we're also going to talk about Impact, which I was actually watching before we went live on Destination America, and that was actually being broadcast here in New York, and I was pleasantly surprised at how it was being done. Um, certain things I liked, certain things I didn't like, but I think Destination America will do well with Impact. Um, we'll see how it goes going forward. I did watch the uh, the the Wrestle Kingdom pay-per-view, and we're going to get into that in the wrestling segment and some of your other news that came across my desk as well. As always, if you want to contribute and be involved in the show, mtrlive.com has the chat room, gfqlive.tv also has a chat room. And of course, you can listen via the Mixler feed on MTR live, or you can watch the video feed on either GFQ or MTR live in any resolution and with any provider you so choose. And you'll be able to do that as always, three, four, seven, three, two, four, three, five, four, 3541 is the call number. So let's get into the week's MMA news because, man, oh man, there's way too much to, <laughs> there's a lot to break down. And I'm trying to keep my promise of keeping the show under uh, 90 minutes. We'll see how it goes. Let's get that ball rolling. My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMAWarehouse.com. Get all your favorite training gear, fighter t-shirts, and other training accessories at MMAWarehouse.com. Look for their banners on RageWorks.net for plenty of promo codes, including free shipping and also free items and also opportunities to win fighter-signed merchandise. Again, the sponsor for our MMA segment is MMAWarehouse.com. All right, so let's jump right into it with, of course, UFC 182 which was without a doubt a very very solid card there's a lot of things that people really were bummed about um I I kind of want to get into the main event but there are some fights that you just can't ignore uh one fight in particular which um I was really 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 shocked uh with the ending was Danny Castillo and Paul Felder Uh, Paul Felder getting right into the 2015 highlight reel with a beautiful knockout via spinning backfist. It's not every day you see a knockout via spinning backfist. One particular knockout that always comes to mind is Mr. International Shoney Carter, who actually won one of his fights with a spinning backfist. But definitely a nice highlight for Paul Felder using the spinning backfist in round two, just putting Danny Castillo to sleep. Two minutes and nine seconds. Definitely a highlight reel moment for Paul Felder. So I definitely enjoyed that. Uh, Josh Berkman's return to the UFC uh, couldn't have come at a more inopportune time as he squared off against the always dangerous Hector Lombard. Hector Lombard is in a whole other league with a lot of these guys when it comes to striking. Uh, This fight was no different. Um, Of course, contested at welterweight at 170 pounds. Uh, Lombard definitely looked very... Very impressive in that fight, securing the victory via unanimous decision. Um, I will say that Hector Lombard is making quite a case for himself to challenge for a belt at 170. I'm sure he's at least, in my opinion, two fights away from getting that opportunity. And I think if he gets it, he's going to do a lot of damage. I mean, everybody's saying that it's a a no-brainer for him to get in there and square off against guys in the Elite 3, uh, Elite 5, depending on who you ask. Like I said, two fight max. Um, I know he's not getting anywhere near the belt for the time being because Johnny Hendricks, of course, will get a rematch against Robbie Lawler. And of course that rubber match is going to get quite the pay-per-view buys because both those guys are incredible fighters and they have such passionate fan bases, but either way, definitely keep a look uh, a lookout for Lombard as he continues to make his way up the welterweight rankings. Now, I will say this, and um, I was pretty surprised with the way this fight went. And it was the uh, the Brad Tavares Nate Marquardt fight. I like, uh, you know, I like Nate Marquardt. Nate the Great is a is a cool dude. I've always enjoyed watching him fight. I feel that his approach to the sport is always very. He respects the sport very much, and he's incredibly competitive in all his fights. He just he just didn't look himself in this fight against Brad Tavares. I kind of felt that. You know, maybe he might have been nursing an injury or something because it wasn't the usual performance you'd expect from Nate Marquardt. Brad Tavares took the fight via unanimous decision uh, pretty much across the board, 30-27 across three rounds. Um, some people are like, oh, you know, Nate Marquardt should consider retiring. I don't think I don't think we're at the stage where we can be, you know, saying that Nate Marquardt needs to retire. On the contrary, he wasn't knocked out. He just, he just wasn't performing the way he usually does. But we'll see what happens. I'm sure... Depending on what kind of suspensions were issued, it's not you know we'll probably see Nate Marcourt once more before the summer of 2015, if not sooner. We'll see what happens with that, but I definitely want to see him fight again because I feel that something was amiss. Uh, who knows? Injury, poor weight cut, poor training camp. It happens, but we'll see. Now, Donald Cerrone, I'm I'm a big fan of his. Uh, he's one of those fighters that whenever you see him fight, always exciting. Uh this fight against Miles Jury had a lot of um there was a lot of shit talking going into this into this fight uh mostly from from Miles Jury side and um I really thought we were going we were going to see a slugfest a war you know the typical exciting fights that we see when Donald Cerrone is in there unfortunately that was not the case on the contrary Miles Jury kind of kind of ran around the cage a lot of the time not as bad as um as some as some of these other guys but but definitely noticeable And um, the fight definitely did not live up to the expectations of the fans or even Donald Cerrone himself, who really was embarrassed with that fight. He said um, later on that he just he felt that he goes out there, he gives the fans exciting fights and to go out there and have such a subpar fight against the guy that talks so much shit was incredibly frustrating. Uh, it, It goes it goes to the point where Donald Cerrone hung around Vegas to try and get another fight sooner rather than later and he did succeed in getting one and we'll discuss that later in the segment now let's get into the elephant in the room the big main event now to a lot of people myself included i actually went to see the john jones fight uh john jones cormier fight at the ufc gym here in uh, new york city and um the thing that got me about this fight was that it for the amount of 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 shit talking. There was, I felt, I don't want to say I felt underwhelmed, but I just didn't feel like we were watching a fight between two, uh, top, top tier competitors that were really trying to go out there and make a genuine statement. Now, the reason I say this is because John Jones is, you know, he's in a league of his own. Uh, the guy, you know, the Kingpin at 205, Daniel Cormier undefeated, um, just an incredible wrestler, and the animosity that was involved, I expected there to be a lot more, I don't know, just a lot more aggression. I do feel that there were, you know, there were moments where the fight really was, really was living up to expectations, but then there were other moments where I kind of just felt that the fight dragged on. I also felt that there was a lot of hugging, just a, a ton of hugging. I felt like I was watching just old school boxing matches where you know you were using the hugging to wind down the clock now a lot of people spoke about herb dean not being um active enough in terms of breaking up those instances and to each his own me personally i just felt that the fight for all the the pomp and and circumstance that was going into it it just it to me it just felt a little lacking and again that's just my view on it. it's my take you guys, uh, I, I, a lot of you guys reached out to me, and you guys were like, "Hey, you know that fight really delivered on all cylinders." Um, a lot of people said, "Hey, John Jones is in a class of his own, and this fight proved it," et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I mean, like I said, there were there were moments where, you know, the fight really took a turn for for where there was genuine excitement. I mean, especially in the third and in the fourth round, you kind of started seeing Jones just pick apart daniel cormier to the point where he even took him down a, a couple of times and it was weird because a lot of people were talking about daniel cormier's conditioning and how he was incredibly gassed in the later rounds and you know that that's one of those things where people can look at it um, and unless you're in there you're you're not gonna really know the full scope of his exhaustion but i will say that you know daniel cormier is a guy who, who you know he his motto is embrace the grind And John Jones is a guy that's gone into championship rounds before. This is a guy who's familiar in the territory and he knows how to work the clock. John Jones is incredibly knowledgeable at working the clock. He knows to pace himself. And once, you know, once that bell hits for the third round, he's going to start kicking it up a notch. And that's what continued to happen as the fight progressed. And he pretty much just started running away with the fight in the later rounds. Now, the craziest thing about this fight was the way that it ended. Um, Right before the, the closing bell in round five, um, John Jones was clinched with Daniel Cormier and he threw up his arms as if the round ended. And when they separated, John Jones proceeded to try and crack him, And Cormier of course responded and almost killed Herb Dean in the process. Now, the funny thing was, you know, we got a DH DX crotch chop from John Jones right after that was done um, and the round came to a close. But it was just very, very savvy, very heelish tactics from John Jones in that entire fight. Uh, obviously, the animosity was genuine and it was there. But I feel that that the fight just, I don't know. I just, I didn't feel, I guess I didn't feel complete after I watched that fight. Like, you know, sometimes you watch a fight between two guys that genuinely hate each other. And those guys go in there and it's a war from bell to bell and you end up just just talking about that fight for weeks and weeks and like i said i got a very very divided uh, stream of opinions from different people a lot of people didn't like the fight because of the constant holding and hugging a lot of people felt that for all the shit daniel cormier talked he got outclassed which you know i can i can't say that because daniel cormier is a is a is a, an incredibly talented fighter but i will say this you know preparation is everything and John Jones really demonstrated that he was prepared for everything Daniel Cormier was bringing to the cage. And when something like that happens, maybe it's just that that made Daniel Cormier looked looked so underwhelming against John Jones. Now, looking at it, you know, and I'm looking at the chat. I see, I see a lot of things. Uh, Johnny Boy says I agree. I think it was a bit underwhelming. Uh, Val responded with DC in the second realized. What the fuck he was fucking with. And DC got winded in the third. His cardio was not up to par. Three times in the fourth in succession. And then Val says, I agree. I think they're saving the gas for the rematch. Now, you know what it is? It's very easy to think that. But the problem is that at 205, there's a lot of competition. I mean, right now, Gustafson and Anthony Rumble Johnson are squaring off on the 18th. And pretty much the winner of that match, that fight is guaranteed uh, the next you know, the next shot. At John Jones title now of course with the with the allegations that John Jones is currently dealing with I don't know how long it'll be before we see that happen but I will say this Alexander Gustafson was probably the guy that was closest to defeating John Jones and there's a lot of factors involved um you could watch that fight five different ways and you may come to different conclusions but I feel that statistically height wise reach wise and even technique wise I feel Gustafson proves to be a better match overall for John Jones because it's it's almost like if he's fighting himself at that point. I mean the reach is there, the height is there, and and you know, one of the things in, in the Cormier fight was that John Jones had a substantial reach advantage over Daniel Cormier. Um, honestly he had five inches in height and twelve inches in reach. So think about that. There was a five inch height difference and a 12 inch reach difference between Cormier and Jones and Jones really knew how to utilize his limbs effectively to, to really do damage as the fight progressed. You know, he worked the jab a lot. Obviously, the the occasional eye poke was in there. But when you look at it, you realize how complete of a fighter, you, you know, the complete fighter you're dealing with, because this is a guy that knows all the angles to, to ensure that he's always damaging his opponent. We're talking about, you know, teeps to the knee. We're talking about cross uh kicks to the inside of the thigh, kicks to the outside of the thigh, kicks in the clinch, constant knee work, constant jabs, constant palming. There was a lot of that. You know, John Jones really made he makes use of his limbs effectively. Now, the thing that gets me when you look at this fight is that You know, what happens when he fights a guy like Alexander Gustafson and Gustafson comes in there and uses that same reach against him? You know, that's I honestly would love to see that rematch because there's so many questions and Gustafson was the closest. Now, I'm a big fan also of Anthony Rumble Johnson, and I think Anthony Rumble Johnson also poses a problem just because the guy has such incredible knockout power. He's he's a very strong, very muscular, very dense 205. And with that, I don't think John Jones is going to be able to muscle him around as effectively as he did with DC. Because even DC at 205 looked incredibly small. Looking at him, I actually said to myself, you know, DC, maybe he should be fighting at 185. Not even 205. He should be fighting at 185. Because the difference in in body composition, the difference in reach between these fighters was just insane. And obviously, you know, the, the questioning of the cardio is another issue as well. But looking at Cormier side by side with Jones, especially at the weigh-ins, I said to myself, you know what? Maybe DC should be fighting at 185. Again, you know, I'm not I'm not a coach. I'm not a, I'm not a person that can, you know, that wants to give armchair analysis, but in looking at DC, you you kind of feel that he might be more comfortable fighting at 185. Again, that's that's how I saw it especially at the weigh-ins. As for um as for Anthony Rumble Johnson and Gustafson, it's one of those things where either one of those guys is going to pose very intriguing matchups. From from Gustafson's standpoint, obviously the reach and just the fact that he was very close the first time in, in in taking the belt from Jones. Depending on who you ask, that's a it's a very divisive question. If you ask a if you ask twenty MMA fans who watched that fight, who won? it'll probably either be split down the middle or they may start fighting with each other over some of the little nuances in that fight. Now, as for Anthony Rumble Johnson, like I said, incredibly big, uh, you know, an incredibly big 205-pounder that will not be bullied as easily as some of these other guys that John Jones has fought. Now, and I'll say this before we get into the other MMA news, I will say that they're, you know, while it would be easy to go the rematch route as as uneventful as that fight was, even though Dana White has gone out of his way to sell people on that fight, as uneventful as I felt that fight was, I'm curious to see the buy rate, and I'm curious to see if that fight genuinely moved the needle versus a fight with, you know, Gustafson or Anthony Johnson or any of these other guys. You know, it's it's one of those things that you have to watch very, very carefully. Now for me, like I said, I'd love to see you know Gustafson or or Rumble get the next opportunity, and I don't think Cormier at this point um, lost in such a fashion that would warrant an immediate rematch. Again, that's just me. As always, feel free to share your thoughts in the chat. Now let's get into the rest of the MMA news for the week because there there's actually a couple of stories I want to get into. Obviously, before we get into the big elephant in the room, but. The first one, obviously, fighter bonuses. $50,000 was handed out. Uh, performance bonus went to Sean Jordan, and after that nice knockout that he had in his fight, it was well-deserved. Of course, Paul Felder with his spinning backfist knockout got the other $50,000. And, of course, fight of the night, which none of us should be shocked, went to John Jones and Daniel Cormier. Now, the next fight card that we got is UFC Fight Night 59, That is going down on the 18th, and um, already the injury bug has started to affect this card, so let me just break it down and tell you guys what's going on. Uh, The main event is Conor McGregor, Dennis Seaver. Uh, Rumors are that depending on how McGregor performs and if he wins decisively, he may get a title opportunity, which is definitely something worth seeing. Uh, Benson Henderson was scheduled to face off against Eddie Alvarez. Unfortunately, Eddie Alvarez was injured and Donald Cerrone steps in on what basically equals two weeks notice to fight Benson Henderson. Another fighter, uh, Uriah Hall was scheduled to fight on that card and they are currently looking for an opponent for him. Um, what ended up happening was that the other, the other guy on the card, Costa Philippou, he was also injured, so what's happening is Lewis Taylor um, is going to step in, and he's going to fight Uriah Hall. So that's pretty much where we're at. So, um, like I said, Costa Philip who got the rib injury, he's out. Lewis Taylor is stepping in to fight Uriah Hall. That That's also going to be, like I said, on the UFC Fight Night 59 card. Um, Norm Park, Gleason Bow is going to be the opener for that main card, which is on Fox Sports 1, 10 p.m., on January 18th. Now uh, the prelims will be on Fox Sports 1 at 7 o'clock. Um, a couple good fights there. Lorenz Larkin and John Howard is going to be a good fight. Zang Lee Penn and Chris Wade is another fight. Definitely worth checking out. Sean Soriano, Charles Rosa, um, Cathal Pendred and Sean Spencer also on the prelims. And then there's uh, another prelim card at 6. That one's going to be on UFC Fight Pass. You're going to have uh, Takei Matsuda and Joby Sanchez and Sean O'Connell and Matt Van Buren. That begins at 6. Now, this card is probably going to be the card that's going to blow 2015 out of the water because, like I said, Conor McGregor's trying to make a statement. It's in Boston. Rowdy fans, huge Irish contingent. Um, The buy rate, I'm sure, is going to be impressive. You know, the viewership from Ireland. And Conor McGregor, of course, this win would secure him a title opportunity against Jose Aldo. So there's a lot on the table here. Uh, Eddie Alvarez, Donald Cerrone, these guys have a, have a lengthy history. So him stepping in for a a guy who I was looking forward to see fight. Eddie Alvarez is just as good. Plus, like I said, Uriah Hall is taking on Lewis Taylor due to the injury from Costa Philippou. So overall solid card, free TV, mark it down on your calendars. January 18th, the main card begins at 10. The prelims begin at seven. So, the other, fight that was ha- the other fight card that was hampered by injury is um, the UFC Fight Night 60 card, which I was pumped for because it was going to be Tarek Safadine and Matt Brown, but unfortunately Tarek Safadine was injured and now Matt Brown has no opponent. Also on that card, Max Holloway, Cole Miller, a um, couple of decent fights, Nick Lentz, Thiago Tavares, I definitely want to see that, Efrain Escudero and Rodrigo DeLima, uh, Zach Makovsky also fighting on that card, of course. Zach McCoskey, I became a fan of his after watching him fight in Bellator. Uh, He's going to be facing Tim Elliott. And that card, like I said, UFC Fight Night 60 goes down on Valentine's Day. That's Saturday. And you'll be able to watch that on Fox Sports 1. All right. So let's get into the the John Jones drug issue. Now, as many of you know, because it has been everywhere, John Jones tested positive for cocaine metabolites during a drug test that was administered on December 3rd. Now, it appears that that test, uh, the metabolites came out in that test because the subsequent test on on the 18th of December did not show those same metabolites. Either way, the results were not made available to the UFC until December 23rd. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, John Jones was doing coke and he tested positive for it. Why did they allow him to fight? Well, let me break that down to you. It seems that cocaine, which is crazy, is not a banned out of competition substance. And the Nevada State Athletic Commission was unable to penalize or stop him from fighting. Not to mention the fact that obviously the follow-up test, he tested negative. Now there's a couple of things you want to, you want to look at with this. First of all, if he was being tested out of competition and the metabolites came out, then as much as, as much as I love reporting this stuff to you guys, the correct thing the commission should have done at that point is all right. John Jones has cocaine in his system. Exactly. Mortis. We'll get into that. Um, the commission should have been like, Hey, you know, John Jones has cocaine in his system. Call up Dana White. Listen, Dana, you want, you're going to want to talk to bones. This guy has cocaine in the system. We can't penalize him. We can't, you know, we can't strip him of the belt. We have to allow him to fight because cocaine is not a banned substance, but this is going to need to be something you're going to have to address. Now, the, the reason I say this is because obviously cocaine is a terrible drug and there's repercussions from its use across the board. But I will say that if the commission found this out on the third and let Dana White know, and 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 at that point said hey you guys are going to want to address this immediately then i think it would have just been less of a firestorm than it happening after the fact because there's a lot of sketchy things which you know which definitely need to be discussed so i'm going to break this down for you with a couple of different statements and a couple of different things that have been going on so first thing obviously is john jones it was announced that John Jones was going to enter a rehab for the failed drug test. Now here's the way it worked. Uh, he tested positive on December 4th and um, you know, that's the main metabolite in cocaine. And like I said, it's it's not banned out of competition and the Nevada state athletic commission could not penalize him. So John Jones issued a statement on Yahoo sports through his attorney. And he said, with the support of my family, I have entered into a drug treatment facility I want to apologize to my fiancé, my children, as well as my mother, father, and brothers for the mistake that I made. I also want to apologize to the UFC, my coaches, my sponsors, and equally important, my fans. I am taking this treatment program very seriously. Therefore, at this time, my family and I would appreciate privacy. Now, the UFC issued their own statement as follows. We support UFC light heavyweight champion Jon Jones' decision to enter a drug treatment facility to address his recent issue while we are disappointed in the failed test we applaud him for making this decision to enter a drug treatment facility john is a strong courageous fighter inside the octagon and we expect him to fight this issue with the same poise and diligence we commend him on his decision and look forward to him emerging from this program a better man as a result now dana white of course issued his own statement big shocker there and he says, I'm proud of John Jones for making the decision to enter a drug treatment facility. I'm confident that he'll emerge like the champion he truly is. Now, here's, here's the thing. Uh, Francisco Aguilar, who is the chairman for the Nevada State Athletic Commission, um, did say the following, I'm pleased that Mr. Jones is addressing this issue and seeking help for the problem. Now, like I said, a lot of questions come up, such as, all right, if guys can be suspended for smoking weed, then why is cocaine not considered a banned substance? That's a that's a big question. A lot of fighters were very, very vocal on social media. Guys like Pat Barry, uh, Pat Barry in particular, very vocal along with other fighters. And and the fact is that, yes, that that's something that raises a very, very valid point. Think about it. Me personally, I live a straight edge lifestyle. I don't pass judgment on anybody's drug anything. You want to smoke a joint, it's not gonna kill you. You know, it's it it smoke weed, whatever. You get high as a kite, no problem. But last time I checked, you know, there's worse shit you could be doing. Like cocaine, fucking crack, heroin, PCP. There's there's worse shit out there. A joint isn't gonna kill anybody. It is what it is. And for the commission to come out and just really when these guys uh, piss hot for weed, it's like, oh, you're going to be suspended for six months or a year. We're going to take we're going to find you twenty thousand dollars and you got to submit to random testing, blah, 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 blah. Now, obviously, the bi- the big question is, well, it's not as aggressive because, you know, it's not something that happens often. But at the end of the day, when you look at competitive anything. If you're not allowing weed, then you sure as fuck shouldn't allow Coke or any of these other uh, stimulants or amphetamines or any of this uh, event or any of these other drugs. It should be unilateral across the board. It shouldn't be, you know, picking and choosing. Oh, well, don't smoke weed, but Coke is OK. It's ridiculous. Now, an argument can be made. Oh, well, you know, it's John Jones. He, he's a young guy. He's got a lot of money. He's out there. He's partying. I've always had this, this conclusion when it comes to cocaine, cocaine is a rich people drug, even though, even though it's pretty much crack, it's still a rich people drug. You know, it's one of those things they hand out at parties. You fucking walk in, there's a mountain of Coke, you know, it's, that's, it's, it's, it's rich person drug use and odds are dudes making all this money goes to a couple of places. Yo man, you want to try this? Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Now, of course, everybody comes out of the woodwork and they're like, oh, well, you know, we kind of knew that he was using coke, but we weren't sure. There was a guy that did a, a piece on John Jones and Deadspin, and he kind of was just like, oh, I was shocked it took this long. And that's that's why I'm a little upset at the way this was handled, because obviously, if you can't suspend him and you can't penalize him and you can't do shit to him, then you might as well not release it to the public until it's discussed with the UFC and let the UFC handle it. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous the way it goes that they put it out and then everybody's trying to sweep shit under the rug. Now, another uh, MMA fighting put out a very interesting piece. Uh, They spoke with Nevada State Athletic Executive uh, Director Bob Bennett, um, and he pretty much said the same thing. He said that the Nevada State Athletic Commission learned of the failure on December 23rd and that to his knowledge, Jones was not informed of the failure until after UFC 182. He went on to say that why was John Jones tested for a recreational drug that's not considered a banned substance out of competition? And he said, get this, uh, this was a bit of an anomaly that will be addressed on the next Nevada State Athletic Commission hearing on January 12th. It was not a report requested by the NAC. It appears to have been an administrative oversight, meaning that the reason that we all know that John Jones was using coke was because they accidentally tested for it. You do you do you hear this bullshit? You accidentally tested for coke? Accidentally? Oh, we don't normally test for coke. Are you kidding me? You have one of the most one of the you know, a sport comprised of elite athletes and you're not testing for coke? Oh, I accidentally fell into this pile of snow and I snorted it. Oops, no biggie. Slick also said the same thing. And it, it, think about that. Let Let's think about this. and And I want to break it down. He said, and I quote: "It appears to have been an administrative oversight." You know, and then when they were tested, when when they asked them if they tested John Jones for recreational drugs. On the December 18th test, he said just for out-of-competition drugs such as anabolic steroids. No street drugs. So let me get this straight. You tested him on December 3rd, and you accidentally tested him for Coke, right? Nobody knew the results till the 23rd. But then you tested him on the 18th, and all of a sudden, you didn't test for any recreational drugs, yet they, they were tested for on the 3rd. So either somebody didn't want that to get out and realize they fucked up and tried to fix it, or they realize, oh shit, we shouldn't have tested for this the first time and just went ahead and tested for it the second. It's it's ridiculous. It is completely it is completely insane. Um in addition to that, you know, it's um MMA fighting reports that uh, the news came to light because there were public there was a public records request uh, excuse me public records request for Jones drug test results after the fight and that it may not have been made public otherwise. Bennett said that the commission had already planned to discuss the matter at next week's hearing so clearly to go with what um with what uh you know with what mortis was saying, somebody must have known that John Jones was using Coke. And they figured, let's check for the shit. And sure enough, there it was. Because number one, it was accidentally tested for. Number two, someone requested the test publicly, which is very, very interesting. That means that somebody wanted that record revealed to the public immediately. So with that said, this Coke issue is not a, you know, it's not just, oh, John Jones accidentally snorted some Coke Thanksgiving weekend. That means that somebody knew he was using the shit and decided, hey, we need to get to the bottom of this. Let's pull. Let's let's ask for the records to be made public. It is ridiculous and insane. And the thing that bothers me most is that cocaine is not an out of competition banned substance. Oh, you can't smoke weed when you're not competing, but you can't. do You could do coke. Go ahead, do coke, snort all the snort all the coke you want. It it's insane to me, and I truly do not understand how that is something that could just go under the rug. I just I don't get it, and it drives me insane. Like I've been reading all these stories, and I go, but but it just gets worse. It gets worse. It gets fucking worse. It's it's ridiculous. It just gets worse. In addition to that, here's another crazy thing. Um MMA Junkie spoke with uh, Don Catlin who was the former UCLA Olympic Analytical Laboratory head because in addition to, you know, the the whole thing going on with Jon Jones testing positive for coke, they also said that his testosterone levels were very very suspect. Um So, like I said, they spoke with Don Catlin and um, they also spoke with endocrinologist Jeffrey Brown about the drug test. So uh, Jones's test revealed a point thirty five testosterone ratio on December 14th and then a point one nineteen on December 19th, which Catlin said is worth looking into. But he also said it could be perfectly normal. So think about that. That T.E. ratio was at point thirty five. On December fourth, then it just dropped down to point nineteen. Uh, Catlin said that um, you know, the TE ratio is um, you know, it's one of those things that can fluctuate, but he said that those values were very, very low. Now they asked if though if if those uh, if the drop, the substantial drop could be attributed to excessive exertion. And he said it's not affected by that. But we've done studies, and we know that that doesn't alter the TE ratio. What alters it is the amount of epitestosterone, and the value you have is well within the normal range. It's normal, but it is a bit on the low side, and I would wonder, and I would go on to further ask for a carbon isotope ratio test. That would tell you what's really going on. So, you know, you got these really, really funky testosterone levels. You got the coke. There's a whole bunch of crazy shit going on. And... You know, it's it, it's really just a sad, sad situation. It's sad because obviously, you know, this guy, even though he's going to go through rehab and all this shit, it really is a very, very big blemish on his career. It's also a blemish on the Nevada State that the Nevada State Athletic Commission, because you've basically told the general public that cocaine is not a banned substance, that it's OK to use. You know, it's it's ridiculous. You know, obviously you can't ban the snowman, but still it's it's out of control. It's out of control that the Nevada State Athletic Commission basically got a black eye for saying that, yo, it's okay that he tested positive for Coke. That's number one. Number two, the fact that, oh, we accidentally tested for Coke that we you know, we did not we don't normally test for it. Are you kidding me? And 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 the fact that they just would nonchalantly said, oh, it was an administrative oversight. Not to mention the fact that the UFC isn't even contemplating or made any mention of penalizing John Jones for that. Cause I'm sorry. Banned or not banned, it's fucking coke. It's like there's there's no there's no rationale. Like some people are like, well, you should strip him of the belt. You could. If you wanted to, you know, that's that's up to the UFC, but I definitely feel he should be fined substantially because that's that's a big deal. You are the face of your organization, and you're over you're over here doing coke. But then again, this is a guy that wrapped his Bentley around a tree, and he was he was drinking alcohol, and you know, whatever shit happens, young guy, whatever. It's 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 really really insane. Reebok also just just recently announced that John Jones was one of their signature athletes. They signed him and Ronda Rousey. And their statement was we commend John for taking the necessary steps to address this issue and we will support him in any way we can. The status of uh, the status of John's relationship with Reebok has not changed. You know, it's 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 insane. It it really really is. And like I said, it's a black eye for hit for John Jones's career. It's a black eye for the sport. And it's it's 110% a black eye for the Nevada State Athletic Commission. And the only thing I can say is that I sincerely hope, you know, he goes, he gets himself checked in rehab, he handles his business, and he comes out a better fighter for it. But I will say that this this entire situation is a matter that could have been handled behind closed doors and could have been made public after the fact. And maybe the firestorm wouldn't have been as aggressive as it is now, where where a lot of the the internet MMA community are running around with pitchforks in hand. Me personally, you know, you can't take away the guy's talent, and the guy is, you know, he is who he is, and he's at the top of the division because of the of the level, the caliber of athlete that he is. You know, he he, he fucked up. He definitely fucked up, but it's it, it's a fuck up that definitely should not be swept under the rug. He should be penalized in some in some capacity. And obviously the Nevada State Athletic Commission can try and penalize him, but they're the first ones that shot themselves in the foot by saying that it wasn't a banned substance. So there you have it. That's my take on it. And we're going to be monitoring this story very, very, very closely because like I said, it can go so many ways and so many people are going to be raked over the coals. The Nevada State Athletic Commission hearing is scheduled for January 12th, so that's going to be next Monday and um we're going to you know we're definitely going to try and and share with you guys what happens before next week's show all right so there you have it so let's um throw out a couple of other news if you are a UFC Fight Pass subscriber you're going to be getting a lot more on demand content uh excuse me on demand content that UFC is adding including cage rage extreme challenge MMA hook and shoot King of the Cage, Pancrase, uh, TKO, UC MMA, and XFO, and they're going to start making those fights available on Fight Pass servers through 2015. So if you're a fan of any of those other promotions and you are using UFC Fight Pass, you'll be able to watch that sooner rather than later. It was announced earlier this week that Anthony Pettis will be defending his title against Rafael Dos Anjos at UFC 185. That's going down March 14th at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. Now, besides the UFC Fight Night card in January, of course, we got the big one, Anderson Silva, Nick Diaz, January 31st, and um, that's your main event. Kelvin Gastelum will be taking on Tyron Woodley. Ali Akinta is taking on Joe Lazan. Tim Bosch is squaring off against Dallas Latus and Thiago Alves is taking on Jordan Mean plus Sarah McMahon and Misha Tate. Derek Brunson is squaring off against Ed Herman. John Lineker is facing Uncle Creepy, Ian McCall. Uh, Rafael Natal is facing Tom Watson. Diego Brandao will be taking on Jimmy Hetz and a um, couple of other fights as well. Again, mark that down. January 31st. That's the big one. Uh, Nick Diaz, Anderson Silva. I am hype for that card. I am incredibly torn on who to root for because obviously Anderson Silva coming off his very, very gruesome injuries uh, suffered in the fight with Chris Weidman, of course, looking for redemption, which by the way, Dana White confirmed that if Anderson Silva wins this fight, he will be able to get a rematch, uh, he'll he'll be able to square off against the winner of Weidman Belfort. So we may get an Anderson Silva rematch or who knows, Anderson Silva may get another rematch against Vitor Belfort. So uh, very, very interesting that a victory over Nick Diaz would catapult Anderson Silva back into the title picture, but that is the word from Dana White. So there you have it. There's a lot more incentive to watch that card when it goes down January 31st. Another fight that was announced, this one was announced for UFC 185, Uh, Roy Nelson squaring off against Alistair Overeem. Uh, Definitely looking forward to that. Of course, like I said, the main event, Anthony Pettis, taking on Rafael Dos Anjos. I'm actually looking forward to this. I like Roy Nelson. Alistair Overeem is definitely trying to get back in his winning ways. I definitely feel that fight is going to be a slugfest. And even though Roy Nelson did get knocked, has been, you know, has had his chin tested, I do feel that Roy Nelson's hands can definitely do some damage if they connect with Alistair Overeem's face. So again, another fight added to the UFC 185 card. That's definitely on my radar all right so the only other thing i wanted to put out there is that frank mir and antonio bigfoot silva's fight has been moved to ufc fight night 61 on february 22nd they were originally supposed to square off at ufc 184 on february 28th so definitely a solid card frank mir antonio silva is your main event edson barbosa will be meeting michael johnson and uh, Rustan Kabilov will be taking off Adriano Martins. I definitely want to see that fight. Um, Jessica Andrade is going to be facing Marion Renault, who recently fought on the UFC 182 card and had a very, very solid performance. So, um, again, a lot of great fights, a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world of MMA. Like I said, first and foremost, uh, the John Jones situation, just a big elephant in the room, a big black eye for... Various entities in the sport, Nevada State Athletic Commission, um, the UFC in a way, and just Jon Jones' career. Hopefully, like I said, the Nevada State Athletic Commission will shed some light on the situation during their January 12th hearing. And of course, once we hear more, we will definitely share it with you guys either on social media or on next week's broadcast. All right, so with that, we are actually going to wrap up this week's MMA segment and we're going to get into some wrestling. Uh, we got two wrestling cards to discuss obviously, Raw plus Wrestle Kingdom, which I kind of want to share some thoughts on. And of course, the rest of the wrestling news for the week. As always, if you want to get involved, 347 3541. Or you can use the show chat at MTRLive.com or GFQLive.tv.
1: <clears throat>
0: wow. That was weird. I thought I was going to end up burping into the mic, which would have been gross. Luckily, I stopped that. Anyway, let's get into uh, the week's wrestling news. Uh, Booker T, take it away. We
1: want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga!
0: As always, my Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by wweshop.com. Get all your favorite WWE merchandise from all your favorite superstars and use our promo code WWE Save10 to save ten dollars on orders over seventy dollars or more. Again, that promo code is WWE Save 10 for our sponsor, ww.eshop.com. All right, so It's very easy to open up and talk about Monday Night Raw and shit on that, but we're not going to do that. I'm actually going to talk about the Wrestle Kingdom event put on by New Japan Pro Wrestling, which was, without a doubt, probably one of the the best wrestling cards from top to bottom that I've seen in some time. It was on pay-per-view. The American announced team was Jim Ross and Matt Stryker, and there were just amazing, amazing matches. Um, I saw uh, Reed Dragon... Uh, take on the forever hooligans, the time splitters, and the young bucks for the IWGP heavyweight tag team championship. And holy shit, did that match deliver from start to finish? It was without a doubt rock 'em, sock 'em robots from start to finish. I thoroughly enjoyed the match. I do feel that there's an incredible amount of talent in New Japan, and the young bucks definitely continue to impress. Obviously, their affiliation with Bullet Club has them on a lot of people's radar but the young bucks have been guys that have consistently performed well in every organization from house of glory to ring of honor to TNA. I I definitely feel that they are an asset to new Japan pro wrestling and we're only scratching the surface with those incredibly young and talented guys. As always Alex Shelley, I'm a big fan of after his work in TNA. So it was definitely nice to see him as well. Uh, Kozlov and Romero are no joke as the forever hooligans and re dragon, those guys don't fuck around either. Um, the Bullet Club match with uh, Bad Luck Fale, Jarrett, and Takahashi against uh, Tenkoji was um, it was okay. I felt it was a bit more comedic than I would have liked, but the match itself was incredibly enjoyable. I also liked the um, the Toru Yano uh, multi man tag team match against Suzuki Gun because, of course, we got to see uh, David Boy Smith Jr. Uh, Shelton Benjamin, Lance Archer, again, a lot of guys we've seen in other organizations. Uh, it was nice to see Shelton Benjamin definitely has not lost a step, and I think that he's been working his ass off in Japan, and it shows. Uh, we got a little bit of MMA action also on that card, which is something that's become a, become a bit of a staple uh, for a lot of New Year's Eve Japanese cards that I've seen over the last few years. Kazushi Sakuraba took on Minoru Suzuki, and... Um, you know, it was it was it was a great match. Sakuraba passed out after being after being caught in a sleeper, and um, I really liked the mix of MMA. That's one thing I have to I have to talk about with Japanese cards. They do a really great job of just really just merging MMA with pro wrestling. Obviously, there's there's questions about the um, the realism of an MMA match on a wrestling card, but either way. Um, it's always entertaining to watch. I like it. I think it's a great break in the action, and it just continues to show the 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 way that the Japanese people embrace mixed martial arts and professional wrestling, and how they view them as sports that go hand in hand. So, uh, definitely a welcome welcome approach for that. Uh, Ryosuke Taguchi and Kenny Omega had a tremendous tremendous match. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. If you can find it on YouTube, it was for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. I cannot with I cannot stress enough that you guys need to check out that match. Also, uh, the match for the IWGP Tag Team Championships was tremendous as well. Uh, the Bullet Club, Doc Gallows, Machine Gun Carl Anderson uh, took on Hiroki Goto and uh, Katsuyori Shibata, and it was it was just madness, madness from start to finish. Uh, definitely enjoyed it. Um, I loved every aspect of the match, and um, you know, I really, I really felt that um, these these guys got great chemistry. The Bullet Club definitely are the NWO of the new generation, and they're in, they continue to impress. And the reason I say this is because NWO here in the states went through so many incarnations: Black and White, Red and Black, LWO. Uh, you know, just the it, the the organization. Correction. The stable got so watered down and so so disassembled that by the time it got to an incarnation that we all enjoyed, it just really um you know it really just put things in perspective. But I do feel that the Bullet Club has incredible longevity, and um, I really like watching those guys work. Hopefully, uh, we get to see more of them here in the states. Uh, let me just uh, send Slick a message real quick. Uh, there you go. Anyway, so. I do want to say this. The AJ Styles Tetsuya Naito match was amazing. I, I love AJ Styles work in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Obviously, there's um there's a lot of things about the Styles clash that have definitely been rubbing people the wrong way. But AJ Styles has been performing that move for a long time. And I do feel that it is a two-person move. And when I say that, I say it in the sense that obviously AJ Styles delivering the move. But you also have to concern yourself with the way that you're taking the move. And obviously, naturally the easiest, uh, um, you know, the easiest rule of thumb is to see if, um, you know, those guys are tucking their head or not with regards to how they take the move. Now, obviously a lot of people are uh, they're, they're clamoring for AJ Styles to start using something else outside of the Styles clash. But again, the Styles clash is something that it's synonymous with him. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm personally more a fan of his calf killer submission, so I got no problem with it either way. But, um, you know, Styles Clash was definitely nice to see. Uh, Tatsuya Naito definitely impressed me. This is the first time I've ever seen Naito's ring work, and it definitely was, um, you know, it it was worth watching for sure. Now, I did miss the tag team match, but I did see the Tanahashi uh, Okada Heavyweight Championship match, which was amazing. Everything about that card that was closed out was tremendous. I really liked the way it went down. And, um, if you can do yourselves a favor, check out the replay. Uh, there's probably highlights on YouTube as well. And, um, again, just a, you do yourself a disservice if you did not get to check that out. Uh, just a quick reminder. And I didn't mention this at the top of the broadcast and, you know, slick reminded me as well. As always, if you want to call in three, four, seven, three, two, four, three, five, four, one, if you want to participate, Please make sure to hit option one when you are in the screening room. This allows Slick to know that you want to participate and he can screen the calls accordingly. Again, 347 324 3541 is the call in number. And if you would like to participate, please hit option one. Otherwise, you can just continue to listen to the call, listen to the show in queue. Again, 347 324 3541. Make sure to hit option one and let Slick know you want to participate. In the show. All right, so outside of New Japan Pro Wrestling's event, which was tremendous, we were treated to the first Raw of 2015. Now, obviously, if you saw Raw at the end of the month in December, you know that the authority once again assumed control after Seth Rollins healing it up to the umpteenth degree pretty much threatened to kill Edge, and um, unless John Cena brought the authority. Back in power so um i don't know man it's it was one of those things where i i watched it and i said to myself "Uh, you know you're bringing the authority back and even before i addressed this week's episode of raw i was upset that they brought the authority back not because i hate the authority because whatever love them hate them you always need some sort of an evil authority figure in pro wrestling and it might as well be motherfuckers that we don't like anyway but The thing that got me was the fact that you went to such great lengths to, you know, you make Sting a catalyst in the authority being being taken away. Not to mention the fact that you also also built an incredible amount of positive of of positivity behind Dolph Ziggler being the factor by by doing that. You you know, you redeem Dolph Ziggler. You breathe fresh air into his character. And last but not least, you allowed the programming to take a little bit of a break from the usual 20 minute Triple H and Stephanie promos. Um, it, it, you know, like I said, uh, it's one of those things where I, I, I just felt that to close out 2014 with Dolph Ziggler's work and Sting's debut just being undermined by bringing the authority back, it was just poor form and it just really showed that creative is scared. Now of course a lot of internet websites are reporting that um, ah thank you Slick it is closeout twenty fourteen um, I do I, you know I do feel that a lot of websites they're 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 saying that the authority was supposed to have been brought back it was one of those things that was in the cards it was going to happen and um, you know it's it's crazy but here's here's where I where I stand with that the authority whether they were part of the, uh, of the raw broadcast in 2014 or whether they were brought back in 2015 the fact that they were such a huge catalyst for a guy like I said like Dolph Ziggler getting a push not to mention the fact that they were also the driving force for Sting to debut and you know less than two months removed you you pull you pull the trigger and bring them back I just felt it was poor form there could have been another way to do it you could have found another stipulation another way another way to kind of freshen things up I do feel that Like I said, while the authority is necessary, you know, it's a necessary evil, it's not an evil that we needed so quickly because it just felt incredibly, incredibly rushed. Now, the first Raw of 2015 obviously was going to focus on the fallout of that, and um, they, they jumped right into it immediately as John Cena was out there with the entire Raw roster stating that he pretty much failed everyone. Blah, 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 I'm fucking sorry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, Triple H's music hits, comes out, says everybody's going to get what they deserve, and on the spot, they offer Seth Rollins a slot in the heavyweight title match at the Royal Rumble. So, it's no longer going to be Brock Lesnar versus John Cena at the Rumble. It is now going to be John Cena versus Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. Mind you if if you've been keeping track no no briefcase has been cashed in seth rollins has been placed into the match and he has an extra quarter to put in the machine if he loses meaning that odds are that if you know if cena wins or brock retains that it's almost a no brainer that seth rollins is going to cash in and win the belt now the real question is are you going to do you believe enough in seth rollins to cash in and take the belt from Brock Lesnar. Not from John Cena, but from Brock Lesnar. Because considering that Brock Lesnar has, you know, still a couple of dates on his contract and a date with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania or Daniel Bryan, depending on who you ask, it makes you wonder if they're going to pull the trigger on that right away. Because as much as I like Seth Rollins and I feel that he's on the top of his game, dethroning a guy like Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble while it is something that's great to see if they're going to take the belt from Brock Lesnar, put it on Rollins only to have Rollins drop it back, it's going to it's going to waste a great money in the bank cash in opportunity. I've always felt that money in the bank leads to incredibly memorable moments, moments that we talk about forever, whether it's Edge cashing it in on John Cena or CM Punk cashing it in on Edge, we these are moments that we always talk about. And the fact that you're putting him in this triple threat match and laying the groundwork where it's almost a no-brainer, you know, for for Seth Rollins to, to cash it in and either hit Brock Lesnar with the suitcase or or take advantage of John Cena if he wins the belt back, I just I just don't see that being the right course of action. Now, some of you may agree with that, some of you may not, but I just feel that doing that to Seth Rollins is is just an incredible disservice to all the work he's put in as a performer, and like I said, it just it just takes a match that we thought was going to be a conclusion, and it just adds a wrinkle that may blow up in everyone's face. Because honestly, at this stage of the game, if Brock Lesnar wins and retains against John Cena, we knew that it was going to be final. We knew it was going to be the closeout, and that's and that was it. So, in my opinion, to to go to go the route that they're going. And pretty much essentially give Brocklet, I mean, give Seth Rollins that extra quarter to continue, you know, and and not have not have it mean anything. Is like I said, it's damaging his character. You need the run in. You need the the opportunist because if there's anything that we learned after Seth Rollins' exchange with John Cena on the final Raw of 2014, is that he's definitely one of the better heels on that roster he was channeling a lot of the opportunistic uh real real aggressive heel tendencies that made edge a household name it's like what edge tweeted seth rollins you know it was a passing of the torch because he did tweet that and it's true i did feel that that was a passing of the torch moment in terms of just heel villainy now the thing that i would have liked to have seen was like i said the the royal rumble comes and goes the main event happens, John Cena may or may not win the belt and Rollins just runs out, cracks him over the head with a briefcase or cracks over the head Brock Lesnar and wins the belt in truly opportunistic fashion because at that point nobody would expect anything. Maybe give Seth Rollins a match with somebody else or put him in the rumble. Whatever the case whatever the case may be, make it in such a way that nobody's thinking about Rollins cashing in. It would make things a lot better. For all parties involved if they did that, but instead, you know, we're going with this route, but I digress. Let's move on. So the first authority punishment match, of course, was for Dolph Ziggler as he squared off against bad news Barrett for the intercontinental championship. Of course, corporate Kane got involved and um, the match went from a single fall match to a two out of three fall match, which ended up with Dolph Ziggler on the receiving end of a bullhammer elbow and losing his intercontinental title. Now, a lot of people jumped on 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 Twitter and on social media and complained about that, but I hate to say it, the IC title depending on who's holding it is fucking kryptonite. And Dolph Ziggler, it you know, to him in his case and I've said this before, the IC title was a fucking prop. And not for nothing, Wade Barrett was champion and had to vacate it due to injury, so him winning it back makes sense from a storyline perspective now the the real question is now that Dolph Ziggler is not champion what are you going to do with him and of course we know what happens you know at the end you know we know what happens at the end of Raw and we'll discuss it but I will say this Dolph Ziggler is better off without a belt and in a higher position on the card than having a belt and being stuck having to defend it when the storylines and the feuds for his defenses make no sense whatsoever. As for Bad News Barrett, I'm glad to see him back, delivering bad news, it's always good. I just hope that, again, much like Dolph Ziggler, they give him some meaningful feuds so that his return can be something that people remember instead of something they forget. Because too many of us, when we think of Bad News Barrett, we think of his bad news promos and his constant, constant, Uh, residency on WWE's injury list so we'll see what happens I actually have no problem with the outcome of that match like I said if if they're gonna do bigger things with Dolph Ziggler I'm all for it so let's go into and this was the Roman Reigns promo of the evening Uh, Roman Reigns did a promo with Renee Young and it was fucking awful If we've sat down numerous times and talked about Roman Reigns, the first thing that we talk about is how fucking terrible his promo ability is. This is a guy that you're sending to improv classes. You're getting him an acting coach. He's terrible. I don't know. I don't know if he's, you know, is he getting fucking acting lessons from Mr. Bean? Because his acting is shit. Shit. Roman, I want you to go out there and do a Superman analogy in your promo. All right, Vince. Sounds good. Why? Why would you do it? You're not booking him as a Samoan Superman. Not in the least. Not happening. You know? Not happening. Mr. Bean is an accomplished actor, so it can't be him, Slick says. Yes. Rowan Atkinson, yes. Mr. Bean, the character, no. (laughs) But no, in in all seriousness, in all seriousness... When we look at the shield collectively, and we've talked about this before, you had Seth Rollins, who was the mouthpiece of the entire group for, for, for a little bit of time. And then Dean Ambrose pretty much ran, the, ran away with the ball. He was the mouthpiece. Roman Reigns was just, believe, yeah. And that was it. One word, monotone answers. Even Seth Rollins, who was okay on the mic, has just improved substantially. Every week, he gets better. If you look at Seth Rollins' promo work in the WWE and you compare it to his promo work in Ring of Honor, you will see the fucking improvements. If you look at a Roman Reigns promo from six months ago and a Roman Roman Reigns promo from now, shit. Complete shit. Zero improvement. And it's like, I understand WWE. You're trying to create it. You're trying to create this guy. You're trying to make this guy famous. But... You know, it's, it's just craziness. It's just, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where I understand what creative is trying to do, but they're just not working at it. They're not working at it the way they should. Yes, continue to build Roman Reigns, continue to make him a force, but either give him a manager or really, really get aggressive in his instruction. It's like what they used to do with The Rock. The Rock had one guy that used to write his stuff and he got really good at it. You guys know this. The Rock had one guy, did all his shit, and he made it work. Now, it's like, oh, yeah, we're just going to have Roman Reigns come out there, and he's just going to cut a promo that makes no fucking sense, and people will cheer. The crowd was fucking dead. Dead. I was, I couldn't even believe it. And the best part was Renee Young is like, uh, sure, yeah. And then, to redeem themselves they go and they take that roman reigns promo and they follow it up with an with another gem from bray wyatt obviously this is leading up to the um you know to the ambulance match we were going to see later on tonight but you go from one extreme to the other from lackluster mickey mouse abc 123 promos to holy shit this guy it, it, he induces fear he has just a delivery system a promo delivery system that's spot on. It's on point. It tells a story. It tells a narrative. That's the kind of shit that we look for. We don't look for this fucking bullshit that Roman Reigns is spewing. It just doesn't fit his character. It doesn't work. Doesn't. Anyway, let's talk about another low point, And that involved the Ascension. Now, if you've been watching the Ascension, you guys know that the Ascension in NXT dominant tag team. No face paint, no stupid jackets, nothing. You know what the, the Ascension brings to the table in NXT? Ass kickings and fog. That's it. There's fog. They rise through the fog. They come out. The crowd is into them. They fuck people up. They have really good matches. But no, when they debut on WWE television, they're, they're face painted, wearing stupid vests. It's just complete garbage. And then... On top of that, these guys come out and cut a promo about dominant tag teams. They they allow them to shit on Demolition and above all else, they talk about them, they let them shit on the Road Warriors. And listen, Hawk and Animal, when you talk about legendary tag teams, Hawk and Animal are either number 1 or number 2 on most people's lists. Whether whether it's, you know, Hawk and Animal, the Road Warriors, the Legion of Doom, however you want to call them, with Paul Ellering, without Paul Ellering, with Sonny, whatever the case may be. Legion of Doom, top of the tag team food chain, right up there with Demolition, Power and Glory, um, you know, Edge and Christian, the Hardys, Team 3D, the Wolves, uh, you know, uh, Generation Me. You can go Motor City Machine Guns, uh, Beer Money. Uh, th- there's so many teams you could you can name. And at the end of the day, those teams, even on their worst day, are better than the Ascension on Raw currently. And the fact that Creative let them just just shit on these legendary tag teams was embarrassing. And you know what it is? I don't even blame them. Because that's the first thing. People can't differentiate from characters that are portrayed on television and the individuals themselves. I'm sure that considering the the lineage and the history of guys like the Legion of Doom and teams like Demolition, these guys were probably like, damn, we really got to say that? And they were like, yep, that's what you're going to say in your promo. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And the fact that, you know, they had to go out there and do that, the crowd booed them. And the worst part was that JBL and Booker T, they pretty much almost broke character. Like Booker T was like, yo, they couldn't even... These guys, you know, I don't know what kind of shit that they, they, they think they on, but they're nowhere near Legion of Doom. And then JBL was like, yo, they couldn't hold the Legion of Doom's jockstraps. And listen, I, I felt it. You can feel it because, you know, JBL and these guys, they have a, a commentary style that you know when they're being legitimate and you know when they're when they're playing the character. And you can feel that they just were they were like, really, these guys had to say that? These guys got to say that, and then JBL was like, "Yo, their opponents look like they came in on a boat." I'm like, "Fuck!" It's like, "Yeah, we got it, we got it." They're they're you know they're they're guys that you may or may not pick up at Home Depot, but geez, don't make it that obvious. Holy shit! In any case, I was definitely really really let down by WWE creative just just for allowing or even writing that promo. Like, which writer said, "Hey, we're gonna write this, and you're gonna say this." And people are going gonna, to gonna boo you. And it's like, yeah, they're booing you. But they're not booing you because you're bad guys. They're booing you because they really, really trashed two legendary teams. Teams that I grew up watching. I'm sorry. The Doomsday device from the Legion of Doom is leaps and bounds ahead of, uh, you know, it, it's ahead of the, their tag team finisher. When the Legion of Doom hit the Doomsday device, that was it. It was the end of days. It was the end of days. Now, obviously, I could play the promo for you guys, but if you guys, I haven't, I haven't been, you know, I haven't been able to tell you guys. We actually have been getting a lot of shit from YouTube for playing certain video clips on the show. That's why you're not seeing as many of them. That's why I, I didn't play the promo. But um, Mortis did share the promo in the chat room, so definitely check it out if you're in there. And um, you know, if it, look at it, look for it on YouTube because it was, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. You know, just because really WWE, you do that besides the fact that, you know, uh, one of the, you know, Hawk from the Legion of Dooms, uh, the Legion of Doom is deceased. Like you just pretty much said, Hey, this guy, fuck him. It it was just, just God awful. God awful. Anyway, Roman Reigns took out, took on the big show in a match that was complete dog shit. And it just showed that these guys have zero chemistry together. And, you know, I love the guys that are trying to validate, oh, but, you know, the Big Show, they're going to, they, the, the Big Show's going to bring out the, the the best out of Roman Reigns. The Big Show couldn't bring the best out of a fucking bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm sorry. The Big Show's time has come and gone. Any, any ounce of, of genuine, um, you know, talent in a match with the Big Show is fucking gone. Gone. And and they try, they try, oh, the big show, he's got new life in this feud with Roman Reigns. No, no, he doesn't. What, because he threw the table on him? Great, nice work, it's fantastic. It was shit. And the fact that I have to watch that feud play out on my fucking television is disgusting. Roman Reigns is, is better suited either feuding with Seth Rollins or feuding with a guy like Cesaro, somebody that'll bring more out of him, because it sure as hell is not the big show. I'm sorry to say it, it's not. It's definitely not. That's all I'm saying. Nikki Bella and Natalia squared off. Of course, this was a total divas angle, and yeah, pretty much, pretty much that's where I stand with that. It was uh, exactly what you'd expect. Yeah, that's where that goes. Moving on. Eric Rowan and Luke Harper squared off for the fifth thousandth time, and of course, it was punishment for the stuff with the authority. Yeah. Who would have thought that two guys that together as a tag team were so great when paired together in singles competition just they just they just suck the life out of out of each other. They really do. They really do. They suck the life out of each other. Period. Anyway, Dean Ambrose and Bray Wyatt's ambulance match was what many were viewing as the final chapter in their feud and what a chapter it was. I definitely enjoyed that match. There were a lot of instances where the match felt you know, exactly like some of their other matches, but it was it was intense, the spots were brutal, the storytelling was great, and I was bummed that Bray Wyatt got the win just because Ambrose has been on the losing end of this feud the entire time, but if you're trying to build Bray Wyatt as this monster, you know, either to challenge The Undertaker or Sting or whoever, then it's understandable, but I will say that, you know, Dean Ambrose, you cannot make him continue to look weak going forward. Like, if you're closing out this feud and we're moving on from it, so be it. But you got to put Dean Ambrose in a feud. I mean, if he's going to start feuding with the authority, then maybe that's where we're going to need to go. And the reason I say this is because of the SmackDown spoilers I read, which, um, you know, definitely worth exploring. But I will say this, um, the ambulance match definitely was a treat and I enjoyed it. Uh more than I should have. So definitely give that a watch if you haven't. Uh the Miz, Damian Sandows, and Alicia Fox squared off against the Usos and Naomi. Of course, there was a little bit of total divas sprinkled in there, obviously, because of the backstage altercation between Naomi and Alicia Fox. But um the the whole point of that match was I think just to get Miz Dow over, and he continues to be over in every instance that he's on television. So I'm glad that they're, you know, they're trying to give him more TV time. But the real question is going to be what happens to Miz Dow when he is no longer paired with the Miz. We'll see what happens with that. Slick informed me that Jay is in the building and he wants to contribute. So let me bring him in and we can discuss some other stuff as well. Mister Santi, welcome to the party.
1: <laughs> welcome. There you go. I'm from Cameroon. What's going on, my people?
0: Dude, I, I, am I wrong to say that that episode of Raw on Monday night was complete dog shit?
1: I've I've now grown to find the appreciation of not watching it live anymore. <laughs> you watch these, that shit on fast forward. Hours. Oh jeez. Like and it's like I'm usually like multitasking, you know, I'm, I'm on a game here, I'm writing something there and it's on. And I'm going. What the hell happened in the past couple of weeks? Am I missing something? There you go. Yeah. So I was, you know, I it, mean, that um, I, 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 I don't. I'm, 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 I'm drawing myself to be a bit more frustrated with the fact that of knowing that the, the the true essence of what wrestling creativeness used to be is just the reality of it is just gone. It's gone.
0: Right. But I, I gotta, I gotta ask you this before before you came on. I was talking about uh, New Japan's. Uh, pay-per-view and while new japan's pay-per-view had a couple of stories here and there they also had really good matches that were just put together and the reason i i bring it up is because why can't you just have matches between competitors just for the sake of competition and this goes back to what you and i had talked about a while back about you know maybe a maybe a ranking system would be good in these instances you know you have a main event ranking system an IC title ranking system etc. And you know, you're number 1, you're number 2, you're number 3 guys. Maybe a guy wants to get in on the ranking system and maybe he'll face the guy that's at number 5 or number 9. And and it would just allow people to see matches that either they haven't seen before or at least there there's some there's some there's something at the end of the road. You get what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, for the longest we've been screaming for some type of like power ranking, like how college does, you know. And it's cool because you know, you could even get the fans involved with their right. own vote, and you know how they have like the AP voting and stuff like that. The thing that I loved about the like the New Japan thing is that for people who aren't you know avid fans and know about it or whatever, and they heard that you know the pay per view was out, you could pick it up and watch it and not it's not it seems seamless like you didn't miss a beat like you didn't have right. to like go too deep into the story angle. it was something that you saw and he said. But, this this I can watch. The same could be said for those who aren't watching, like Ring of Honor. Like you cannot watch Ring of Honor for about a month or two at a time, and you could pick it up and just and it feel like you never left it. That's what right. I like about that type of storytelling. This what's going on with WWE, uh, it, it, it boggles the mind.
0: Well, even, even even with House of Glory, which you've been covering, you know House of Glory has a couple of feuds that are going on between events. But they also have matches of guys that are just trying to make names for themselves, trying to get on people's radar. You know what I mean? There's incentive there.
1: Yeah, it's funny because um, working where I'm at now, in case people don't know, I'm now working with the mental health field. You know, I figured that I would possibly like bump it to more people who are wrestling fans. And every time that I, you know, I try to speak to certain individuals about it, they go, wow, you still watch wrestling? Maybe you need medication. So I'm like, all right, I get it. You know, I'm probably a little bit too old for it. But they'll always tell me, like, you know, I used to watch it. You know, back in the day, and then I watched it when it came to you know, when they, you know, The Rock and Stone Cold. But every time, they always stop at one point, and that was the ruthless aggression era. Everybody stopped watching it then. Yep. And for me, I think that was a telltale point of when the storylines got a little bit not because it wasn't edgy or anything. I think for them, it got to a point to where it was like, yeah, it, it, it's not a, it's not as fun anymore. It didn't seem like to grasp and watch it anymore. And, you know, I, I'm thinking that right now is getting to that point with this reality era. It's getting to the same thing.
0: Well, the thing that gets me is, like, obviously the authority came back. We knew they were going to exact their vengeance. You knew it was going to happen. And you knew each match was going to end in in some sort of a, of shenanigans. Like, even, you know, like Ryback taking on Seth Rollins and Kane, you knew how that was going to end up. I mean, it was good in the sense that there were there were good moments there. But the thing that got me was the match after that with Adam Rose and Big E, where you take two individuals that were wearing, you know, the morph suits that were there with the Rosebuds, attack Big E, and then it comes out that it's revealed that it was Cesaro and Tyson Kidd. Now, I don't mind the pairing because, like I said, there's a very there's a very power, power and glory style uh, vibe to them, but if you're going to invest this much energy into getting them out there, then at least make sure that a, they have a decent tag team name and B they actually wrestle in meaningful matches. Like those guys being involved with Adam Rose. Now, hopefully that was just a one-time thing, but if you're going to have them feud with the new day, then make it be a question of Matt, different matches every week, different new day pairings, you know, etc., etc. But, you know, don't just throw them together because you're trying to fill heel tag team space because of, you know, Heath Slater having to deal with his legal issues and you losing
1: Slater Gator, you know? Well, this goes back to what we mentioned about the whole power ranking thing because that would have been really, like, quintessential and showing a good storyline, you know, motivation and England because you could say, you know, New Day comes in as a hot team that's third in the rankings, and then, you know, the Cesaro and Tyson Kidd team is rank like six in the rankings, and then boom, this happens, and it boosts it. Like, that that tells something because right now, we're looking at a tag team division that we don't know who's with what. You know, we have a new day, we have the Usos, and then we have Stardust and Goldust, and everybody else is like, okay, let's yep. just throw them together and see if magic happens. Well, that's
0: the thing. Like you said about the ranking system, all right, you just mentioned the Usos would be at number one. Maybe Stardust and Goldust would be number two. Uh, Miz and Mizdow, since they were tag team champions and got knocked off, maybe they dropped to number three. You know, you put uh, the New Day in maybe at number four, depending on the you, – you could actually have a little fun with that. Um, New Day pairing Big E and Kofi would be number number five. Kofi and Xavier Woods would be six, and Big E and Xavier Woods would be seven. You know, you can have a little fun with the you can have a little fun with the rankings because then what will happen is you just make those guys kind of want to compete with each other. Like, oh, I want to tag with Big E because, you know, we're ranked fifth and you can even create some really interesting dynamics there. And then the Ascension, they just came in. They're wrestling jobbers. They should be ranked number 10. And then, hey, you want to move up into title contention? You got to defeat whatever team number nine.
1: Hell, and even throw a stable in there and have them do, you know, whoever went the for stable was the tag titles. Let them yep. do the Freebirds type of, you know, whatever. Make it interesting. Make it like when somebody sees the tag match going on. Because as I write in my writings, I'm a huge, if anything else, I'm a huge tag team match guy. I love that. I love the chemistry. I love the elements. I love the different, you know, power versus agility versus speed. Versus, I love all that. But now you're having it to a point that it's like you see two tag teams on the front and you're like, oh, God, again, I already know what this is going to be about. Right. It's, it's not it's, it's not magical as it used to be. Well, it's like, well, you know, I, you know, Jay, for, for
0: those of you that don't know, Jay actually uh, helped uh, put together our brand new awards called the Rages. And um, he wrote up his Rages for the wrestling category all, all on his own. And one of the things he mentioned in there was were stables. And, you know, I talked about the stable earlier. I'm not going to get into where they came up in Jay's post, but the the Bullet Club, which I was talking about before. If you look at the Bullet Club's dynamic, you got your strong guy, your technical guy, your high-flying guy, your really freaky-looking guy, but there's a, a they complement each other so well that that's the kind of stable that in a ranking system would be worth looking at, you know?
1: Yeah, I just I'm just hoping that like, um, and this is not only WWE. I know we have all been bashing WWE, you know, but this goes like across the board to even all promotions because even from the indies to you know the 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 the, 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 the promotions that are trying to break through that glass ceiling to, to get top of them, you know singles cars are always going to be like that that that, that focal point of of, of booking. But you gotta really start gearing up the teams together yep. and get good chemistry for good matches. And that, you know, and that's what what that they need separate creativity and creative for that. And I believe they do.
0: Well, you know what it is. Also, I do feel that WWE is suffering from too many hands in the cookie jar. And the reason I say this is because you got creative trying to come up with three hours of television. Then that you got to deal. You have Triple H's input. Then of course you got Vince's input and Vince's rewrites. You know, I mean. Think about this, talking about the announce team, you know, when when the Ascension cut the promo that they cut, you know, I don't blame those guys. I blame creative because it was creative that said, hey, you're going to go out there and you're going to say this. And it was upper management who said, yeah, that's fine. So, yes, I was I was upset, but I can't even blame the performers because, again, they're doing their
1: job. Yeah, you could always figure, like, in the background, they got they were like, you guys really want us to say this? We're going to be freaking slaughtered if we go out there with this. Exactly. You know, and, even and it's too many a, hands in the cookie jar. you know. Yeah, even as a performer, you know that, like, this is not the heat that I want. Right. right? You know, like you mentioned earlier, there's a different kind of heat. And this is not the heat that I want. And this is, like, even Lance Storm tweeted on on, on yep. Twitter and was saying, you know, I cut Roe off that He said, I'm done. I'm done. I can't watch the rest of it after that that disrespect. And I, and I and I understand where he's coming from with
0: that. Yep. And on top of the fact like I said, too many hands in the cookie jar to write 3 hours of television plus Vince invo- is involved. You know, you and and this goes back to the whole thing and you know, you you'll probably agree with this. How you saw NXT's big card and how, you know, t- tables, ladders, chairs and stairs, they felt that they had to top the NXT guys, like they're like, yo, we're being shown up by dudes that don't have real TV time, and that's because you got that. you got one, you know, cre- the creative team in NXT. I think it's like two
1: guys plus Triple H. That's no. it. Not only that, the guys in NXT. This is why I was I was mentioned before on Facebook and on, and on on Twitter was the guys who do NXT are. Bookers from wrestling. They're yep. the Regals, the Dusty Rose, the Triple H's who, whose who's hand is in there. You got you got um, trainers who are still in there putting foes in them at the roll door. You still got you got guys who still wrestlers. Whereas you go to WWE with Raw and SmackDown, they're run by 20, 30 different people. Like if it's a freaking like a sitcom or yep. or year, it's ridiculous. It needs to go back to the grassroots and get purist of wrestling bookers
0: to do it again that's that's and and you know that goes back to what everybody says you know because everybody automatically says well you should let Heyman run creative it's not just hayman because what good is it Heyman writing raw if vince is going to read the script and at 8 5, and at 7 56 he's going to say i want these four segments changed what does it matter you get what i'm saying like like yeah, par, part of it is vince too
1: Vince always still seems to you know, he made it, you know, he made it evident in the in the, in the Stone Cold podcast, which, by the way, we didn't even speak about, but it was phenomenal. I yep. mean, yep. you mentioned it before how Stone Cold is probably like the biggest surprise of the year when it comes to a podcast. Absolutely. That dude speaks like if he's still a fan. Yep. And he's in it for it. And that interview even left him, you could tell that it left him like, like speechless because he... He didn't get answers that he really wanted, and he yep. even learned that Vince is still that more involved, and he's not getting out. Yep, it just it just leaves a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths.
0: That's exactly it. When you see that, you go, "Really, this dude? This dude still day to day?" And don't get me wrong, Vince McMahon is an incredible showman. He's a great personality to have on TV, but I think having his hand on, having him be so hands on, still is a is more a curse than a gift at this point. I think Vince as a character yeah, is a must. You need Vince as a character. But in terms of, of, of just the day to day and the creative aspect, I, I just feel you, it's not working.
1: Well, oh, it's like we, we never can knock down the accomplishments. I, nope. I mean, back to back, back to back. I mean, it's, it's years and years and years. But now, like, you know, even people, Triple H and even with TNA and them um, are, are really recognizing that the social media aspect and the reality of it, this is a pulse. That I think is way over Vince's head. Yep. And, you know, business wise, to promote to, to to produce this product, substantial. Awesome. Do what you gotta do. Advertise me, do whatever it is that you have to do. Get your connections here, get through, whatever has. But as it's still creatively, your hand is still writing, you're still the pencil changing shit? Yep. I don't
0: know. I don't know. No, nope, you can't do it. Now, obviously, you know, to close things out, I did I did wanna say that Raw ended with Ryback Cesaro and Rowan being fired. Now, of course, you know WWE Did firings it. are always amusing because it takes it. Uh, correction, yeah, it was Ziggler, Ryback, and and Harper. What was not Harper? Rowan that got fired. And when you look at that, you all you know automatically you're like, all right, they'll be off TV and they'll be back by the Rumble. You know, like we know that's going to happen. The only thing that bothers me, and and I said this at the beginning of of the segment. Is that by bringing the authority back, you wash the slate, you uh, you undid all the work you did with with Dolph Ziggler and Sting, and on top of that, the authority. Yes, I understand you need the villainous bad guys, but the problem with them is that it almost feels like they're always Im- imitating Vince, like they're not yeah, their I, own I, entity. They're it's it's like a parody I, of Vince. Yeah, I have to I have
1: to like. Just let the IWC know, you know, internet wrestling community know. Uh, slow down with your hatred and your bashing of what's going on. Okay, in case you haven't noticed, this happens every year. Yep, every year the big heel move happens. The movement occurs at the end of the year. It's never the feel good moment. Let's look what happened last year. Daniel Bryan became a, a Wyatt family member. Let's slow down, everybody. As only- you mentioned, yeah, bring back the authority early. Yeah, that, I I'm I'm you're 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 a guy who doesn't mind the authority thing. I'm done with the whole having that as the easy cop out. Right. To have the villain because it's so easy to write for. It's like saying, hey, look, you know, let's bring the lead, let's bring the, the 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 Legion of Doom to battle the Justice League. It's so easy.
0: But do you know what <laughs> it is the the evil the evil creative entity. It can be utilized in a different fashion. One of the one of the be- one of the better uh, you the one of the better uses of the of the heel owner is Lucha Underground with Dario Cueto because that guy he he owns the promotion he's kind of villainous but he kind of fall he kind of blends into the background as certain feuds begin to take shape like they did an a uh, 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 one one of the earlier episodes of Lucha Underground he had the match where it was like I think a hundred thousand dollar briefcase. And it ended up like it was John Johnny Johnny Mundo, aka John Morrison, and Puma, who who was Ricochet, and um, I believe also uh, Ezekiel Jackson was involved. And yeah, you know it it was very easy that the dude didn't want to pay out the hundred grand, but it it started creating animosity between the other players involved. And like I said, at that point, you know Dario Cueto kind of faded into the background a bit. And that's what you need. You want your your authority figure to kind of like lay the gamut and kind of start putting the pieces in place, and then just 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 blend into the background. Like in the authorities' case, you know, you come out, you award Rollins his match, okay, but then just leave it, let it play out over the course of the evening, like. You know, if you want to have Kane be the instrument and just be like Kane, you know, the authority states that this and this and this, and then you move it along. But you don't need Triple H and Stephanie out there for three fucking segments to to hammer it home, you know? But
1: I don't. I wouldn't even care if it was like a freaking silhouette, like in Deal or No Deal, and they were a banker or a freaking <laughs> authority figure that we didn't know. Like, That'd I wouldn't be pretty even funny. Care was that. My whole thing is, it's, it's like, why does it always have to be one way or another? Why does it have to be the good general manager, the heel authority? Why can't it just be like, listen, it's a booker who's booking. You guys do this, it's this, whatever. And if you don't like it, that's just what it is. Straight up in it. Years ago, we would see. The managers will be the one. Jack Tunney or uh, Bischoff or whoever it was, uh, Ted Turner himself. Yep signed or gave me an agreement on this contract. And we've never even seen Ted Turner yep. unless it was in a freaking stock exchange. Yep. But now it's like too much, and it's like it's pulling away. They're still trying to bring that Mr. McMahon-type essence back. And it's I don't know, to me it's just it's oversaturated. It's done. Well, like I said, I
0: feel that it's caricatures. Like they try too much to impersonate Vince. And then I also feel that Triple H still tries to be the wrestler and the authority figure at the same time and you can see it in his promos like when he clowns the guys like he's one of the boys it's like yo dude you're supposed to be a boss you know yeah
1: i hate that so, i hate
0: that and that's what that's what i mean like like they got to learn like he's got to learn to switch it off which i've said before but the, but the heels themselves just just fade into the background and let the feuds build themselves like even even in in the new japan thing you know when they when jeff jarrett joined bullet club or whatever and you know Jeff Jarrett has his promotion, and and Global Force Wrestling was kind of part of the whole thing with with New Japan being able to air their pay per view here. Like, it, I understand it, but even with Jeff Jarrett, he kind of he wasn't he was there, but not there. Not so much like when he was running I, TNA, but but you know he was he was not
1: as out there as you would have thought. Hell, I hope I hope Triple H fires more of them next. I hope people get more people get fired, and the real. The, and, even though a storyline angle and all this stuff, but I appreciate it because at least they're away, right? For a while, hell, if they're not backed by Royal Rumble, hell, keep them out until Elimination Chamber or before WrestleMania, whatever. Keep them away. Let us miss them, yep. right? Just and and with with us missing them, it helps to bring up other wrestlers that you know. not not Used to seeing, or maybe they have. Fine! You know why guys, get healthy. Dolph needs the break. The guy's been busting his ass for three years. Let him have a break. He needs it. Fine. Yep. But, once again, you don't need the authority to do it. You don't need it. But, like you said, we always need the guys of the whole the, the evil empire. Well, right. Well, 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 you need, that's what we have now.
0: Well, you need it, but like I said, and, and I said it before, you can use the authority, you can use raw general managers, you can use them but don't make them your crutch. That's the problem. Like, creative, it's just like, eh, make the authority do this or make the authority do that. And, of course, obviously, Vince and those guys they have final say, but there's there's better ways to do it. Like like I said, you know, you got, you got guys that don't even need to be motivated by the authority to feud with other guys. Like, Kane should want to whoop Ryback's ass strictly because Ryback fucking clowned him how many weeks after Survivor Series, you know? Seth Rollins should have issue with John Cena because John Cena is standing in the way of him cashing in the briefcase. You don't need the authority for that; it the shit's already there. But yeah, I I I, I
1: I'm hoping I'm hoping well, it's not even a hope because I already know at the end of the day what the payoff is going to be at a WrestleMania anyway. The fans get what they want. Yep, you know we haven't seen a heel a heel win WrestleMania in how long? Like, come on! But uh, in 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 hindsight, we also got to see. Let's give it a chance, like I always say. Let's see how to build up this. Let's see how it rolls out. Right, I'm gonna, I hope they shit the bed like they did last year's Royal Rumble.
0: Dude, I, all I got to say is stop stop assuming that Roman Reigns is a main eventer. Stop it. Like, yo, don't don't <laughs> fucking do it to yourselves. Cut the shit. He's yeah. not ready. He's not.
1: Dude, that promo dude, was embarrassing. Dude. The dude looks like he has PTSD. Like he's just like he's just in shock. Like every time he goes out think, I can't believe I had gotten all this 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 fan favor and now it's going to shit. Like yep. it's like it just happened on the turn of a dime. Like that's it. It's amazing. But that's their fault. That's, that's right. That's initially. People always think the burial is when you know, when a person is losing and they're losing on yep. the No, this is what you call the gradual burial. Yep. You're burying the guy without even knowing you're doing it.
0: That's it. But um I did I did want to backtrack a, a little bit of um Road Warrior Animal actually posted on his Facebook page about the Ascensions promo and he said the following Uh the idiots in charge make the call, everyone knows how stupid it is to copy icons yet they still do it. Do it in a mocking fashion to get heat. I understand. Do it in a disrespectful way. Well, that's another issue. And that's low and has no place in this business. Where does it end? And I, he puts, uh, where does it end? And I usually, you know, I'm just playing about the comment being a shoot. And I believe they should, you know, have had me and Animal as a team for some undetected odd reason. They didn't do it. They missed a boat with the Ascension and they missed it when my brother John was in the ring both great times to bring me in and they missed it they need to go to their merchandise numbers today and see where we rank up on the main roster versus selling merchandise so basically while he was expressing and, I, and, and it's fucked up to say it, but he was expressing displeasure with the entire turn of events he was also on on, on in a veiled way saying you should have put me with them <laughs> How fucking crazy is this business? Which you know, hell, I wouldn't have thought of that. I would have, like I said, I would have. I wanted Kane to manage them, but fuck, why not? Yo, Animal sees promise in these guys, and he he's gonna help them.
1: Fuck it, I'll take it. Oh hell, if you could have sat there and said, out of out of a legion of doom, out of the legion of doom we will rise as the ascension and have him as a manager playing the Paul Ellery role. For sure, why yeah, not? That
0: would do, work. Fine. Dude, I hey. would have eaten that up. That would have been fantastic. Or... or yeah, that
1: would be cool. At least that would have been paying homage and giving that, that, you know, the, 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 the pass it's due. Yep. Not this shit. Yep. And, you know, him and even mentioning... if it was for a short period of time and then you bury him and whatever, boom. Fine, whatever. But this shit is just... Utter. This is, and mind you, WWE has a history... Yep. Of disrespecting the Legion of Doom in World Wars. This is about like the first time. Nope. guys, look it up. They, this is not the first time they've done this.
0: No, it's not. And the other thing, it was funny that he acknowledged the whole thing with Johnny Ace because it's true. Shit, Animal would have been a good enforcer for Johnny Ace. His fucking brother. Yeah, who else? Yeah, who else could have played? He didn't even need the makeup. Just stand in a freaking suit and just yep. beat
1: the shit out
0: of people. There you go. So I did. I you know I I did want to say that I did watch Impact before I came on the you know before I started the show tonight. Not bad. Their little Destination America setup, not bad. Um, definitely, you could see that they cut some corners with some stuff, but the wrestling was pretty solid.
1: I um, I'm, I'm, right now I have a record. I've been watching little by little here and there what I've been able to grasp, and I finally could sit there and say, thank you. The look for TNA has gotten to where it should be. Yep. Peel away all the extra shit. You're not going to be WWE. Nope. You're barely even NXT. Stop it. Bring it down to where the fans will appreciate it as a wrestling promotion. Well, like I I'm, said, I'm, I'm happy for that look, dude. They should they should
0: just stay taping it here. They should where just. Where was that actually? They should just they should just lock down the venue and stay here, dude. We're a I wrestling mean, town. What
1: venue
0: was that over there? Uh, the, the not the Hammerstein, you know, whatever they call it. The um, I guess it's still called the, the Hammerstein, Center? right?
1: Oh yeah, no, The Manhattan Center. So yeah, yeah, the Manhattan
0: okay. Center. It's like it's like. You guys should just lock that down because the crowd was good. And, um, dude, we're a wrestling city and you save money. Just pay the venue and tape, you know, tape four episodes there a month.
1: Should they should do like what they are, the indies and the other promotions are doing now, instead of going again and getting, trying to get these big out venues. A lot of these independent places are doing clubs. Now they're doing freaking dance clubs. Yep. House of Gloria is in Cl- club club on Missouri. Um, Ring of Honor did their their final pay per view. They did it at Terminal Five. Like these are, and it was packed. I mean, yep. TNA could actually get back and forth by doing it. And like you said, if they keep it in New York, they'll, they'll sell out every
0: venue. Yeah. Well, besides the fact the travel will be easier because you got all the major airports. You're in an area where it's highly populated by tourists. You could sell tickets. It, it was like it was like um a guy put on Twitter. He said that. If you were using a Ticketmaster code, you can even people were still getting 50% off tickets. Wow. Yeah, which was crazy. But still, it's like I still,
1: you know, it, it's a I good still venue. I'm am amazed at how they they are able to re-sign these wrestlers with them. I'm amazed by yeah, that. Yeah, dude. I, I
0: said the same thing when they were putting up all the announcements, oh, we re signed this guy. And oh, we re signed that guy, and I'm like, "Yo, what are you paying them?"
1: This team must be blowing every like every wrestler for every month. Like at once, just to keep them on a contract, because I don't—I really don't think how they have the money. I really didn't think they have the money. Nope, because you know Viacom
0: didn't even want to touch them. It's not like Bellator that has Viacom's wallet, you know. Yeah, and they,
1: I didn't even get to catch it, but they had like a tremendous lead in for tonight. Destination America had like a full yep. day of like impacts of that. Was, you know, I was lucky. I was able to to to, to record a lot of the stuff, but I was like, wow! And you know, to sit there and watch like the greatest moments of TNA history is pretty awesome. If you guys are gonna get that's something to to see.
0: Yeah, the greatest moments of TNA bothers me because they added Hogan to so many of them, and it's just like, yo, what happened to all the weekly TNA pay per views and all the awesome shit they did? It's like, what happened to Elix Skipper during the Hurricane Rana off the top of the six sides of steel against America's Most Wanted?
1: Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know what? That's going to be in the box set. That's going to be in the box set. It's gonna be the one. They're going to give you for free. They got to give you that one for the, you know, they got to recoup. That's it. So, uh, before
0: we wrap things up, WWE put out their pay per view calendar on Sky Sports. So, you know, the Rumble is January 25th, and it looks like it's the end of the line for the Elimination Chamber, at least for this year, because it's not happening after the Rumble. It's a new pay per view, WWE Fastlane. February 22nd, then WrestleMania is March 29th, then Extreme Rules is April 26th, then Payback is May 17th, then they're doing Money in the Bank June 14th, then Battleground July 19th, SummerSlam, which is going to be in Jersey, August 23rd, then Night of Champions, then Hell in the Cell in October, and then Survivor Series in November and TLC in December. So, looks like the Elimination Chamber, that's a wrap for that.
1: Yeah, that's fine, because you know, we, we can put that away for a while. You know, Let it be the, the, the niche kind of uh, pay-per-view that comes back once it's so often. That's cool. I, they, w- they don't have any more. They don't have like the dual belts they can do anymore. And they already know that nobody's going to lose a belt. Everybody, pretty much, if you put the Elimination Chamber, a belt has to be on the line. Yep. And, yeah, so nobody's losing anything. So, they're tucking that away for a while.
0: If if they were smart, they would do the chamber at Extreme Rules.
1: Yes, that would be that would be yep. logical. There,
0: that that's it. Just have hey, this is your 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 title match, whatever it is, at Extreme Rules. That I think that the reason too that they took it out is because that match has to be incredibly brutal on the performers right before Mania.
1: Yeah, they they did really need to like position it properly during the during the calendar.
0: But not a not a not a bad slate. A, not a bad slate. Um. You know, I'm hoping Raw definitely is better uh, it, next week. I mean, what do we got? We got a three-week build-up for the Rumble. Rumble is usually one of my favorite pay-per-views because you never know who's going to show up. Um, it's it's a it's a good week for wrestling, though. We got NXT moving to Wednesdays, which is basically competing against Impact and Lucha Underground, and SmackDown's moving to Thursdays, and, you know, then you got Raw Monday. It's, 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 it's shaping up to be a good 2015. The only thing we can hope for... Is that the creative side of things doesn't let us down?
1: Oh, we can look forward to that happening uh, about thirty times this year. But that's all right because we could always look forward to outside entities other than WWE.
0: Absolutely, I know. I know. You know, Hog has been killing it. You know, I know. I've I've been following the 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 recaps and watching you on social media for that because I just haven't been able to get over there. But um, they've been killing it, man.
1: Oh man, that those shows have been like. I mean. I mean they kinda I, I didn't get to do a write up on it because they actually changed the venue. I not the, yep. venue, the time the last time so so we got there pretty late so it was kinda frustrating. But um yeah guys, I'm telling you, if you guys haven't been on it locally you guys if anybody can get to New York in February, I believe it's the twenty seventh. Yeah, it it it's the the shows are getting bigger and bigger. Also, pro wrestling syndicate is yep. now uh being televised. Yes on, it is. I believe it's W L N Y. Yep. So if you have that on your cable channel, that's actually a really, really good um, promotion out of out of New Jersey. They've been out for a few years now, and they're finally getting their way into the networks.
0: Well, that's good, isn't our isn't our good friend? Doesn't our good friend uh, Danny DeMonto work with them?
1: Oh, but of course, there you and, go. As well as you know, Brian Brian Excel, Amazing Red, they're also affiliated there, and you know, they, and they they have always tons of of, of classic and. Uh, uh, um, independent stars have passed through there. And, and they have like a real intense uh, a format of, of different styles of matches and gimmick matches. It's great.
0: There you go. All right. Um, with that said, that, that wraps up the segment. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to add?
1: I uh, just want to say I miss you guys. You guys are awesome. Um, I'm still chiming in and piping in as much as I can. although my work schedule has been crazy. But uh, once again, my take radio, uh, Rageworks, we're here. And Jay Santi is not gone. I'm still around.
0: There you go. Thanks for calling in, brother. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, appreciate your time. Love you guys. Peace. All right,
0: Peace. All right ladies and gents, that was our very own Jay Santi. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jay Sante. And of course, you can always shoot the wrestling talk with him on our Facebook fan page as well. Be on the lookout for the Rageys, which will be available probably tomorrow. We're actually, uh, I'm working with somebody to design a Ragee award. And uh, we're going to put that up with uh, the Ragies and we'll be able to put that up hopefully before the week is out. So there you have it. That's actually going to um, wrap up the first show of 2015. So uh, let's close it out and uh, went a little bit over 90 minutes, but not too bad. Anyway, as I said, you've just heard my take radio episode 263 presented by RageWorks, uh, broadcasting live Wednesday, January 7th, 2015. You can find the archived version on this of this show on iTunes, Stitcher and tune in radio. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can email me, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or rich at rageworks.net. As for social media, you can find My Take Radio on Twitter, Facebook, Google, and of course, you can also find Rageworks on Facebook, Twitter, Google. And if you're into photos, we do a lot of stuff on Instagram, so you can follow us there, Rageworks underscore rich on Instagram as well on behalf of myself slick quark blade jay santee josh the rightest ben andrea and the bet and the rest of the mtr rageworks family i am out of here i will see you guys tomorrow well later on today for our entertainment episode of my take radio peace